Hello, welcome to Blades Pod. My name is Ben. It's Tuesday, the second of April, uh, coming in a few days after United's slightly surprising, very disappointing defeat to Bristol City by three goals to two this weekend. Um, so yeah, joining me to discuss it once again, uh, it's Jay Blades Analytic, the 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 man on Twitter, the, probably the most famous. EFL Twitter person at this point who isn't actually an employee of the EFL or one of its affiliates. Um, so yeah, we're, we're going to talk about this Bristol City game. We've got player ratings. We're going to try and work out what exactly happened because, yeah, not personally, not a great performance from United. I thought it was okay, probably an average performance. So trying to work out what happened there um, tactically, I guess, personnel-wise, whether some things we could have done differently. And we also spend a little bit of time talking about the Preston game this weekend as well, which uh, I'm going to a fairly rare away foray for me. So looking forward to uh, looking forward to that one this weekend. But yeah, here is myself and Jay and talk about last Saturday and talk about next Saturday. And uh, yeah, thank you for downloading and listening. I hope you enjoy. So, yeah, Blades slipped to a, a slightly surprising 3-2 defeat to Bristol City this weekend. Um, do you know, is that fair? Was it, were you surprised by this one or did you kind of uh, kind of pin this as a danger game? I think we said on the last pod, this and Preston are probably, I, I know Birmingham away sounds tough, but this and Preston are probably the two danger games just because I think on their day, Bristol City can match most teams in the league. They're just, they have their day for six weeks and then they go off the boil for six weeks. That's mm. why they're down in seventh. But on their day, they've had some some cracking results. And as they showed on Saturday, they're clearly a very good team. Yeah, I'd say so. It was a bit of a weird, a weird day for me as like a, as a fan, I guess. I mean, you know, no Gary Sinclair. So, you know, suddenly that's a bit like, oh, it all, it all <laughs> feels different. Um, and, you know, so that kind of like disrupted the sort of pre-match kind of build-up. It felt, felt a bit weird as well. And then, yeah, I don't know. I, I think it's because... I think I was just a bit surprised by, I guess, how good Bristol City looked relative to us. And so even when we went 2-1 ahead, I, I, I sort of felt myself like not, maybe not celebrating with the sort of intensity that I would expect myself to do at that point. It was like, oh, we're, we're kind of getting away with it a little bit here. And then, yeah, we, then when they equalised, I was like, I, I would probably take a point out of this, to be honest. I thought the players did as well. It's interesting you say that. It's the only reason I jumped in because like, Scott Hogan just scored his first goal for us in a massive game, at a massive moment. And he was a bit, I'm not blaming Hoax for this, but it was a bit of a down, more of a tired celebration, wasn't it? He I went, did he, went like, he didn't like run to the cop screaming, you know, I'm not saying that P word of passion, but you get what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm not saying anything to Hogan, but it was like the players knew that it was a little bit against the run of the play and there was a big job still to go rather yeah. than that release of come on, that's it now type thing. Yeah, it it you, was a weird thing, that. If you contrast it with, like, Stearman scoring against Borough, for example, yeah. and obviously players are different, they have different attitudes and all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I guess also probably what was weird was uh, was the experience of having a home game that kicked off on a Saturday at 3pm. I was like, <laughs> what, what on earth is this? Like, should this game have finished an hour ago? It was very weird. Um, and yeah, the, the pesky international breaks strike oh. again. Um Oh. We probably don't have time to get into this too much detail, but yeah, so we have had four international breaks in this season. Uh, we've played Bristol City twice immediately after them, lost both games, played Rotherham away and drew, and we played Derby away and lost. So yeah, not not great, and I guess you could sort of, 
it's probably getting to that stage where you kind of sort of say like, hmm, maybe something is a little bit off in our preparation coming out of these breaks because it doesn't seem to affect our opposition very much. They've they've looked you know pretty up for it in uh, mm. in all of those games, but um, yeah, there's no more international breaks now for the rest of the season, so so that's a good thing. Um, but yeah, let, let's talk about the game. And so I mean, I, one thing I do think it is worth saying is I'm not buying this idea that we kind of bottled it or Bristol City <laughs> wanted it more I mean I think that's I think that's mental compared to you know the rest of the season and you know <laughs> the prize that's available for United it's not like we've suddenly gone like ah you know promotion maybe I don't, yeah. I don't really want that anyway so yeah but if, if we try and sort of work out what actually happened I mean I guess there's there's a couple of things I mean a, a major one is Jack O'Connell going off injured uh, with the score at two one to United, um, and yeah, no, no coincidence really that uh, Bristol City's last two goals came from basically the exact spot that he would occupy as the uh-huh. left of the two centre backs. Um, what did you make of this reshuffle? Because it's very easy now to be like, "Oh, Marvin Johnson ruined the entire game," and you know that's not to exonerate <laughs> Johnson for, to be honest, not no. not great defending for those two the final two goals, but. Yeah, what, what did you make of this kind of tactical reshuffle? So we were playing four at the back at this point when O'Connell went off. Stevens yeah. notionally moved into O'Connell's spot and uh, Johnson came on as left back. I think that's right. We stayed we stayed with a four, right, I think, for the last 15 minutes? It, it looks like we were going to go back to the three, mm. I thought. I thought it looked like a 2-1 up and then the O'Connell injury, we were going to go for the three. Now, I'm, I'm not sure if that's the case, but I'm pretty – I might be wrong – because I've tried not to listen. But I've heard Wilder speaking afterwards, and I think that was the plan as well. Right. Because he had cranial steerman stripped off. Coots was about to come on. Coots was stripped off, and I yeah. think cranial steerman w- would have been the next option for a four, even on the left-hand side of a centre-back, if you will. Mm. You know, because a centre-half is just a centre-half, regardless of foot. But I think he went for the three, as in Stevens at left centre-half, because let's face it, away at West Brom, uh, you know, works beautifully well, didn't it? And Johnson yeah. was actually good defensively in that game, and Stevens was outstanding so there's precedent for why you would do that and I think he thought that because we had the 2-1 lead going back to the three might also give us some threat on the attack as well on the counter mm. um, so I don't know uh, to be quite honest and it's just, I don't necessarily think I'm blaming Wilder as such but there is some maybe for this <laughs> I thought we were just a bit of a mess system wise in the whole second half to be honest Yeah, um, it was just all over the shot a little bit I didn't quite get Basham in this game right mid right back right centre mid right wing even Mm. Uh, where was he playing didn't quite understand it wherever he was playing he didn't affect the game Mm. Um, and just yeah I I think we just tried a lot of different things to stop the obvious tweak that Bristol City had done that had forced us just to completely have to abandon our normal game plan so what was that tweak then just for uh, anyone who's not sure what we're on about so kind of the first eight, ten minutes, we blitzed them, I thought. So we yeah. got the early goal from, from Sharp and the free kick. Great finish as normal. Um, and, and then without creating what I would say a clear-cut chance, we were all over them. Mm-hmm. You look at the stats in that first ten minutes, final third passes, passes into the box. We accrued the majority of our whole game in that first ten minutes. And then basically Bristol City went three at the back system, pushed Jada Silver at the left wing back onwards, who I know a lot of Blades fans may not have known a lot about before the game. They will now. Uh, he was very good and Jack Hunt on the right obviously ex-Wednesday so we kind of all know him but he was also very good Uh, and that wing-back tweak just basically forced them into our half pushed our wing-backs back and that didn't really change for the whole of the game 
Yeah. Um, until until Baldock actually went on a bit of a mazy run for the second goal and his first assist. Um, but it was it was really good from Bristol City. I must say, Lee Johnson, full credit to him. It was really good. The way they played the game was good. Their midfield were dynamic and strong. I think they won. Wouldn't say they, again, not they wanted it more. I think they were structurally better in there. Uh, their passing was crisper and more accurate, and certainly the wing backs were fantastic. And and I thought up front as well. I mean, Vyman was obviously the standout, but I thought the, the big guy, Jeju, as well up front, he did a proper job, really, focal point-wise. He was, uh, do you know, I would actually say he was the man of the match. Um, yeah, I can see is, that. It's yeah. probably a bit of a hipster take, given the other guy's got a hat-trick, but um, it, everything stuck to him. He he was just an absolute menace. I think, I'm pretty sure that he actually created this, not, not directly, but basically... Uh, created the second goal by getting on a loose yeah. ball, laying it back to Palmer, who'd come on. And uh, yeah, Palmer played that fantastic cross. And uh, it's a good finish from Vyman as well, but obviously kind of uh, escaped from our defence in, in the reshuffle. But yeah, I mean, if I'm, if memory serves, I think Johnson did, the Lee Johnson, that is, uh, did the same in the away game at Bristol City. He did. Matched yeah. us up formation-wise, and it, it did make it difficult for us. That said, for a long period of this game, they didn't really create that much. Like no. probably for like 50, 60 minutes. I know they hit the post from a free kick in the second half, but that first goal from Vyman, I mean, how did that go in? I mean, it's obviously a massive shock because it's the first goal we've conceded. First goal we've conceded at home since uh, that ridiculous free kick against Derby on Boxing Day 2018. So you're going back like three and a bit months. Um, but it was just like, I was just like, what on earth? And it was almost a carbon copy of the header they scored against us in that first game as well. It was just yeah. like, I, I mean, I, no blame on Henderson there. I mean, I think Wilder said after he lost it in the sun a little bit, but, you know, to be ah. honest, he did well to get anything on it as soon as, yeah, as soon as I, it sort of, as soon as I saw it looping towards goal, I was like, was, oh no, it's slow motion. It was a, a freak goal. I mean, if you just take. So overall XG for the game, I know you've got info goals there. Mine's roughly the same. Um, Sheffield United 1.3, Bristol City about 1.38. So I, I've got it down as basically a draw. Um, Vyman's goals were, that header was a 3% chance. Mm. And it went in. I mean, that's, you know, it's not unheard of, but rare. The yeah. second goal even, because of how much he had to stretch, the fact it was across the angle, was only a 13% chance. Yeah, it was a difficult finish. And then his third goal was, you know, uh, yeah, okay, so that's better. He's, you know, he's in the box on basically open play, so he's in. But, you know, it's really hard to take when you've kept the amount of clean sheets we have and then a combined 17% goes in twice. Yeah. You know, I, I don't want to get too geeky on it, but that just doesn't happen that often. So they're free. You know, the first one's a freak goal. The second one is a, an outstanding finish, really, considering mm. the stretch. And it was good play. But I don't think defensively we did... I'm going to say this as a, as a, I meant as a structure, not as individual. As a structure, I'm not sure we did too much wrong for those first two goals. No. However, individually, yes. You know, I, I don't blame the defeat on Marvin Johnson. Um, and people will scream at me for that because I think that the way we played wasn't very good. Mm. And and we could have won that game earlier than Marvin Johnson having to come on. We, we could have if he would have played better. However, there is no doubt that he is has at least some, if not majority of the fault for the second, because positionally he was a bit all over the place. And certainly the third was, yeah, 90% of the blame on him. because just missed a tackle on the edge of the area, basically, didn't he? Or just, sort of missed a challenge. I mean, it's the old Jeff United thing you scream from the stand, isn't it? Just, just you know, end him. Basically, win the ball or end him. That's <laughs> what Jack, O'Con- Jack O'Connell would have done that. You know, he. I don't want to compare the two because they're two different players, but if Jack's in that position, 
he goes and most likely wins the ball knowing Jack. But if he doesn't win the ball, just end the man. It's the yeah. 89th or whatever it is, you know, on, on the edge of our box. Yeah. Just go and do, impact the player in some way so he can't run through and do what he did. Yeah. And it and is... I guess it's it is worth pointing out really. we signed Johnson as a sort of attacking left winger, which is basically what he's yeah. been playing as, and suddenly he's ended up essentially ended up playing as a centre half for those two goals, which is, was really strange. Particularly uh, yeah. the second one, he was basically in O'Connell's exact spot, and uh, I mean we must have still been reorganising because Stevens was like ten yards yeah. further ahead of him on the edge of the area, basically. So a bit bit of a mess there. I mean the other, I, I think yeah, you, you know you just you just picked up the, the stats there. I mean. Ultimately, this was a, a tight game. I think you know yeah. it's not like a disaster. As I said, I was a bit a bit shocked by how good Bristol City looked relative to us, um, based on their recent form. But you know they're like ninth in the league, uh, so you know we knew they weren't terrible. Um, but yeah, the, the other thing that really stood out to me was they gave us very little time on the ball, and that meant that we had to go long and aerially quite a lot, and we yeah. were not good at it at all. We were basically terrible in the air. I think it was nine out of 31 attacking aerial duels. That's low. That's, you know, what is that? Less than 30%. And that, that yep. was like one of the big stats for me of the whole game. I think, you know, City pressed us and we had to go long more than we wanted to, but we didn't have the personnel because one of them uh, got sent off rather stupidly two games ago. <laughs> we didn't have the personnel to make it stick. And uh, yeah, you, you lob in the uh, only eight out of our 27 crosses were completed as well. I mean, this was a game, and obviously Mark Duffy uh, injured, missing from uh, the lineup and the bench, which was a, another blow. It was a game where suddenly the squad felt a little bit thin again um, in terms of options off that bench. Go on. That's fair. That, that's fair for that game. Yeah. I mean, we know it isn't because we know that the Achilles to Duffy was quite, not freak, but it was quite late last minute, and we know Medine suspended. So yes. those options are normally there. But yeah, right. It felt like that. I think that probably explains the the drive to try and get Basham into different positions and probably play him further forward hmm. because Bash is obviously, I wouldn't say he's great aerially compared to others, but you know, he's, he's obviously a bit of a bigger target than Didzi or Sharp, but th- there's, there's no denying that we were trying things that we wouldn't normally be trying because of our options were limited. Yeah. Um, and I agree with you, you know, it's the first rule of a decent level of football like that. Bristol city applied a very structured, very high organized press. So if you look at the average positions, not only are there two wing backs, in our ha- half and ours mm. are dropped back in our own half, which is so rare. Yeah. All of them, all of their midfield is also above the halfway line. I know which, that. Oh, yeah. So there's oh, seven of their team average position in our half, uh, including exactly. the two wing backs. And uh, yeah, uh, as Stevens a bulldog in our half, which is unusual. I mean, we Norwood always plays deep for us because he's got that quarterback type role. So you can miscount Norwood playing so deep, but the wing backs being there, the centre halves were deeper than normal. So I've looked at it. That's our second lowest average formation line, the, as in how high we played. Yeah. The lowest being at Leeds, which I think we all accept would have been the case because how mm. deep played. But it, it just it showed in the passing, the crispness, the accuracy, the nervousness. I felt. I felt. I'm not saying nervousness about as in the title, I'm sorry, the promotion race, if you will, but just a nervousness in, they couldn't quite connect with their passes. We couldn't keep the ball in the final third. I mean, I've spoke and, and lacks lyrically about Kieran Dowell. Um, and how, I think he's been a, a good signing, not great at the minute, but this was his poorest game by a mile. And mm. we were, I mean, I know I messaged you before the game privately and said, oh, I wish we had Duffy. Yeah. Because it, it felt like a Duffy game even prior to the game. Uh, the first half an hour, it felt like we really needed a Duffy game. And then the second half, it was apparent. I mean, 
he's quite damning on doubt. It's harsh to pick him out because he, he's done a good job for us, especially in some positions he's unfamiliar, but no chances created, no deep completions. He only won two out of 13 duels. Um, if we look at kind of what you'd expect from a Sheffield United number 10 in this system to try and get everyone up the pitch and to allow us to progress into the final third, you expect a lot of passes into them and them yeah. having a lot of passes to the wing-backs, don't you? Mm-hmm. Um, so, Dizzy and Stevens only completed eight passes together. Fleck only completed four passes to Dowell. Norwood had no passes to Dowell. Mm. Dowell only completed five passes to Stevens. I mean, you know, this is... The left-hand side is our strongest side. When you think of Fleck, the number 10, Stevens and Jack O'Connell in our normal system, that is that is our strongest side. They normally have a lot of combined passes, a lot of different combination play, and there was nothing. Yeah. That, that's, that's because Bristol obviously pressed us, so Stevens couldn't progress over the line. But it's also because we didn't get the ball in the final third. It just wasn't there. Mm. It didn't stick. We'd have no control possession. There was no real... You know, there was no real structure we were able to build. And, and we've always spoke about this. If we can't build the structure, we're not that good of an attacking force because we don't really have the pace. We don't really have the, the strength or the dynamism to just go off the cuff. Yeah, I mean, this is what I mean about that. More so with hindsight than I even thought before kickoff, but missing Duffy and Medine from these ga- this game. I mean, Medine helps you get up the pitch. Duffy is yep. the man to hold the ball, to spread it by, as you say. I mean, that that's what we needed from him. He he is the guy that can help us retain possession in, in tight mm-hmm. areas, to, you know, make the pitch wider, to find space in between the kind of lines, if you like. But yeah, unfortunately, yeah, it just felt like it just felt like we were quite short uh shorthanded, I guess, in this game. And yeah, there wasn't really much coming off the bench that uh that I felt was gonna change it. As it happens, Hogan came on uh, and got his first goal and he kind of just did what he's done ever since we signed him. Really, he must he must complete like fifty sprints a game just on the shoulder yeah. of the last defender, and never seems to get it. So I was pleased to see him uh, pop up at the back post. I think either him or Sharp could have scored actually. Um, so that was good for him to get off the mark. But it wasn't like a game changer him coming on. If you mean it, if you know what I mean, I don't feel like it. It changed the flow of the game particularly. No. I did no. feel for a period in the second half. I do feel that we were much better and much more better. on top. And I, I don't yeah. know entirely what happened here, but it felt like Fleck got on the ball a lot more. He was driving forward more. He had a uh, he had a decent shot from long range and was just much more involved, basically. But yeah, overall, a a game that we had less control in than I was expecting. And I, I guess that's slightly concerning down the rest of the season. Uh, you know, t- we, we've seen teams presses kind of successfully, I guess. You know, Wednesday's a an obvious example in the uh, the Derby Ilka yeah, a few yeah. weeks ago. But then, you know, you could say, well, that's a, a Derby. It's, that's how those games go. And, yeah, I, w- I would hope that uh, with Duffy back, you know, we'd see a, a different picture on Saturday against Preston, if indeed he is. I, I think so. I mean, I, I can't, you know, obviously I put out all these, these charts on Twitter, the kind of scatter plots where you see two metrics on either side of the graph, if you imagine. You look at any creative stats for the championship and, and Mark Duffy and Pablo Hernandez are just leagues absolute leagues ahead of everyone else in terms of not directly assisting a goal but in terms of passes in the final third passes into the penalty box controlling passes in the final third so Mm. making a pass from 20 metres from the opposition's goal we talk about it all the time it is not easy even if it's sideways it's not easy to do because the amount of defenders and pressure that's there and Duffy you know I don't want to keep mentioning a Leeds player but Duffy and Pablo are just streets ahead of the rest of the league and I think we've missed Duffy I mean obviously we've had a great run recently um, but it's been based on defensive solidarity and, and quite frankly, a, a more counter-attacking approach. That's why mm. Dal's been playing. That's why we've gone Medine in a lot of games and gone a little bit more back to front. 
I mean, since the Villa game, we, we've it's an interesting comparison actually. Since since the Aston Villa three three, which is kind of I think perhaps when we we obviously we went on this clean sheet run, and I wouldn't say we changed tack, but the fixture list certainly put us against some quite dominant teams, so we've had to defend more. Yeah, definitely. So there's, there's obviously fixture bias in what I'm about to reel off here, but you look at the goals per game, pre-Aston Villa, so up to and including Aston Villa, it was 1.62. Post-Aston Villa, 1.63. So about the same. Mm-hmm. However, expected goals. Pre-Aston Villa, we created 1.64 per game. That was one of the highest in the league, in the top four in the league, so really good. Post-Aston Villa, we've only created 1.27. So it's still it's still decent. We're still creating enough for a goal a game, which is you know, uh, and that's won us a lot of games. One nil, one nil. West Brom and Leeds, uh, Rotherham two nil. I know they didn't really threaten us because the ten men, but it it does show because uh, a lot of these games have been without Mark Duffy, apart from the Reading, which is when we scored four. Mm. And if you if you take that Reading game out, as in because Duffy played uh, and was obviously key to contribute into a lot of those goals, we really aren't creating much without Mark Duffy. Um, our passes in the final third I won't give the numbers because I don't want to make it too geeky but it, it's less um, our passes into the penalty box it's less there, there is a fixture bias here I will keep repeating that we've played stronger teams and of course that has forced us to play in a different way mm. but without Mark Duffy starting games we are much less creative and much less in control um, and I, I think that's really key it's very important for me that we get him fit and he plays a lot of games in this running yeah I mean, yeah, I do want to stress that. It's not just the, the difficulty of the fixtures, you know, West Brom away, Leeds away, but then you've also got the circumstances of some of those individual ones as well. Brentford, we obviously played yep. 65 minutes with 10 men. Obviously, we weren't going to create much in that one. Uh, Rotherham, Rotherham defended like the most defensive time-wasting team I've seen uh, since Wednesday came to Hillsborough uh, in 2017 or whenever it was, 2018. Uh, and then you've got the Derby itself, which is one of those sort of throw-out-the-window kind of games. So, yeah, I mean, I don't disagree with what you're saying. Um, but, yeah, there's definitely... I, I guess what I am saying is uh, let's not all freak out that our no, form no, no. has nosedived <laughs> off the back of one defeat in our last eight games or whatever it is. Since, uh, no, no, no. So, yeah. No, but it's obviously not nosedived because that's just the, that's just chance creation. Obviously, yeah. chances against has been great. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a reason we've kept clean sheets, um, you know, because we're hardly giving up or anything. Leeds game aside, we're, we're hardly giving up much. So... You know, our form hasn't nosedived. We're just less creative. And I think that matches the eye test, really. Even in those fixtures, you know, I think at Sheffield United last season, we played Cardiff. Don't forget Cardiff were a great side in this league last year. Mm-hmm. You know, they ended up with a points total that if most teams match this year, will probably go up. Yeah, and I remember playing Cardiff at home towards the end of the season. This is a side that were in second, battling for promotion. And we absolutely peppered them and battered them. And I know we didn't win. And I know we lost in the end, but we absolutely battered them. And we took it to most teams we played last year. Now, I'm glad that this year we're winning games against big teams. I'm glad that we're a bit more pragmatic and we can defend. But we we do have to be aware that we're seven games to go. And I know we couldn't help it in this game because Bristol were great and we didn't quite have the personnel. But when we do have the personnel, I'd like to see us get back to, to dominating games again. Um, we, just, we just seem to not play our game after scoring early. And mm. some of that was Bristol. Some of it was poor from us. And I wonder if some of it was a mindset that we can defend one goal leads now. So was there almost a, a, not a complacency, but a desire to just drop back a little bit, soak up a bit of pressure and see if we could hit them on the counter maybe. Yeah, which I think is a, a fair 
a fair approach, I suppose. I think we drew that Cardiff game, by the way. It just felt like a loss at the time. Yeah, sorry, it was. Yeah, yeah it was a last-minute equaliser, wasn't it, from Pilkington? From Gary yeah, with header. Indeed, yes, just to just rub it in. Um, do you want to quickly just run through player ratings? Uh, I know you mentioned this. Have you got time? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah so I'll um, so let's do this. I'll not repeat my. I'll not repeat you and try not to do the same. I guess if you've got nothing to add, we'll just we'll just agree with it. Do you want to? Uh, so I'll just lead off with uh, Dean Henderson. I mean, I guess six out of ten. I thought he was basically blameless for all the goals. To be honest, you know, first one it would have been a very very difficult save. I thought he did well to get anything on it. Uh, second and third, you know, either a close range chance or he's got a clear sight. He made a couple of good saves. Uh, himself, particularly in the first half, from a, a long range shot, I do worry with free kicks. He just just seemed to like give up the yeah. half of the goal. But you know, admittedly, very few of them have actually gone in this season. I think only two from uh, Joe Allen and uh, and Harry Wilson. So yeah, kind of a blameless game, I thought. So I go six out of ten. Yeah, but about same. Thought he maybe could have done better for the first. Mm. Um, I'll be honest. Um, yeah, I know it was in the sun. Good, decent. Obviously, it was looping. It was decent. It was one of those freak things that probably he didn't expect, so it's hard yeah. to react. But just from the distance and the fact it was a header, you'd want your keeper to probably save that. But I'm not blaming him. I'd say six out of ten. Yeah, go on then. Next, I'll let you pick. Uh, I guess we'll do back three. Um, I, I'm going to group these all together as a, as a three, even though we ended up with a four at times. So I'm going to say... Uh, Jack, Egan and Bash, I'm all going to give a 6-2. I didn't think they were bad, but I didn't think they were good. Okay. Yeah, I went 7 for all of them. Basically the same thing. Decent and, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, particularly with O'Connell, we only conceded one, as you say, pretty pretty fluky goal while he was on the pitch. Um, just to expand on Basham. Uh, so he was actually much better going forward than he'd been at Leeds yeah, when he was moved yeah. to midfield. So, yeah, it was uh, 84% passing instead of about 46 or whatever it was last time. Uh, yeah. Nine out of 11, final third, two out of third in the penalty area, created a chance as well. Although only two, two ball recoveries for him, which is, is very unusual, actually. He's usually that, much, much higher. That was really interesting, actually. I don't want to push the pod time, but I saw that. So I went down. The, normally we have Bash gets about eight, nine, ten ball recoveries mm-hmm. uh, and quite a few of them in the opposition half. We only had Norwood and Bash who got five each in the opposition half. We normally have three, four players on ten, mm. you know, or nine. So that goes to show again, because we were so deep, we weren't there to, if anyone knows what a ball recovery is, it's basically a second ball. So imagine yeah. a loose ball from a defensive header and the midfielder just runs onto it and we recycle possession and go again. That shows again how much we couldn't dominate and build pressure because we weren't in their half to do so. Mm. Simple yeah. as that. Fair enough. Uh, yeah, Stevens, uh, just a six for me. Uh, not as involved as I'd have liked. He was obviously pushed back a lot. Uh, only managed four crosses and just didn't get organised for the second and third goal. So I think, you know, as much as Johnson is at fault for that, I think that some of that is on Stevens as well. It's, it's in the area he's supposed to be occupying defensively. So yeah, I go for a six. Yeah, I gave Stevens a five because of that reason. Yeah, fair enough. Can't argue with so that, really. Didn't didn't influence the game at all going forward. And I, I get that structurally they were pressed, but I still think you've got to win your individual battle. And I think mm. he lost it. Um, and then I, I do think, Admittedly, he was being asked to play an unfamiliar-ish position, but he's 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 the experienced defender, and mm. he should. I'm, I'm not blaming it's Johnson's fault, but he should be organising better. As you say, he was out of position himself, and perhaps Johnson was dashing in centrally to try and cover the space he had vacated, yeah. rather than being in position where he should have been. So I think that Ender does have quite a bit of fault for that second, actually, and I, I think structurally he was he was key to that going in. So I give him a five. Yeah, fair enough, George Baldock. Uh, I gave George seven. Um, simply because he, he was okay defensively 
Um, yeah, got skipped by once or twice, but also put in some decent tackles. But obviously, he set up the second goal, which could have been vital. Mm. And that wasn't through any real structural play. That was just through sheer desire. Because we all know George can't really run with the ball. He's not really got a trick as it was. He doesn't beat men. Um, but to dance into the penalty area and put a nice chip ball in, that, that was really good. And he, he kind of grabbed the game by the scruff of the neck, didn't he, at that point? Because like yeah. I said, we were growing. Fleck had done some things. We were growing. But really, it was out of nothing. So I, I give him all credit for that. So I gave him a seven. Yeah, no, nothing to add to that one. Dal, we've we've kind of talked about in detail. Uh, I've marked him down as a five, but as we've been talking, I think you could certainly make a case for a four there, I think. I'd give him a, no, I'd give him a four. I mean, I think me and you are more optimistic than ratings. You could have given him a three and not been harsh. He was, listen, he's one of my favourite players. Yeah, I'm so glad we signed him, but he was... Bit of a we passenger. Yeah, we were poor servicing him. I think that's, that's one thing we do have to say. You can see by the passes to him, but then half of that is his positioning. He was too busy trying to help out the midfield. He was so deep that he wasn't there to receive the ball on the half turn and actually get us going. Yeah. Um, and that's what Duffy does great. So, yeah, three or four quite yeah, easily. It was a bit like playing with 10 men, I think. Uh, it was. first half at times. Um, he obviously came off at half time for Hogan as well. Uh, John Fleck, uh, I give a seven out of 10. I thought he really grew into the game. You know, he got a couple of shots in, one forced a good save. Uh, assist for Sharp's goal as well with another great free kick. Uh, yeah. four, four chances created as well, which is the most for the Blades. So, yeah, I felt like when we when we started to get on top in the second half, I felt a lot of that was kind of coming from him driving with the ball a bit more. Yeah, same. Absolutely same. Can't Nothing to add. All right. Norwood, I'm interested in this one, actually, because I wanted to talk about this in a little bit of detail, but I know we're pushed for time. But go on. Talk to me about Norwood. Uh, five. Okay. I, I said uh, it's six, which was because, like... I ex- if you just look at his stats, it's quite good, but I yeah. expected more of him. There was yeah. a lot of passing. I think it was 85 completed passes. Almost too much passing. He was so deep, only 20 in the final third. Um, and he did have a lot of ball recoveries, as you said, which was most on the pitch, but it felt yeah, like but- we needed more from him. It, it, he was... He himself, I agree with you. So statistically, it wasn't a bad game. People say, oh, he kept giving it away. Well, he didn't. His pass accuracy was about as average as it's been across the season. He played more forward passes than anyone else in the team. So he, he, he tried. He tried to do what he could do. I think Norwood's problem in that game is because he plays that deep quarterback role where he splits the play and he spreads the play. If he hasn't got no targets to hit diagonally, as in forward, if you think of wingbacks bombing him forward and he hasn't got those to hit or he hasn't got a Duffy to smash the ball between the lines through to... Mm. then he's not, I don't say he's not that good, but his impact is going to be much less if he doesn't have forward passing targets. Yes. Because quite frankly, that's his game. He's not going to dribble with it. He's not going to line break. Yeah, he can hit the odd one for 45, you know, 30 yards. He can put a good cross in the box. But again, we weren't high enough up the pitch to really do that. I just think that he he could have helped the structure maybe. Um, you know, I, I'm thinking turning the Bristol City back four a little bit more, almost going old school in this and just playing a little bit more channel type passing. Hmm. It was all to it was all to feet, wasn't it? That's, yeah, that's what I thought. That's notable actually. I didn't really think about that at the time. We didn't really, I don't feel like we gave much for sort of Sharp and McGoldrick to actually chase. There was a lot, there was no. a lot played into them, but they're yeah. not the best in the air. You know, McGoldrick's okay, but he's, he's nowhere no. near Medine and, um, or even Leon no. Clark levels in the air. Um, no. So yeah, we kind of we kind of did lack that a little bit, but then you know they're pretty pacey down the down the sides, I suppose. They are, but when they're playing wing backs and they're playing as high as they were, it wasn't. Mm. You know, I get that a game of football is going on, but I think Norwood's brilliant, brilliant strength is his intelligence. Mm. You know, we talk about it all the time, his leadership, and he must have seen their wing backs 
in our half, basically. And when you're playing three at the back, there is there is channels to hit there. Um, and it, it's the old, I mean, I'm talking Sunday league tactics here, aren't I? But it's the old, just turn the back three. Just turn them. Put it yeah. in behind them, turn them, take the pressure off, win a throw in, get the territory, take the game away, take the sting out of the game when they were on top. And we just didn't do that. It was all to feet. It was all too easy to press. And mm. It does fall into what you say about not having Medine. But then re- react, adapt, yeah. you know, do, do, do something different. Um, and that's why I marked Norwood down because he's, his standards are so high. I expect better. He yeah. passed the ball okay, but he could have done more. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. Uh, Sharp, I give an eight to. Thought a really good game. Obviously got the goal. Uh, yeah. Created a chance himself. His, his kind of aerial aerial duels was was kind of okay, I think, in terms of the rest of the team anyway. Won us a couple of free kicks. Barely lost the ball in the final third. So, yeah, just a, a typically very good Billy Sharp game. A, a proper predator goal as usual, just, just on the edge of the six-yard box. Yeah, same. Nothing to add. All right, McGoldrick? Uh, five. Okay, go on. Again, did, didn't do enough. Um, did is for me, one of my favourite players in a blade shirt. Uh, he, he sets such high standards for me technically and what he does and how he links the play. But he lost his uh, he lost his head in terms of intelligence. So he saw Dal was struggling and he went deeper and deeper to try and get the ball, which just isolated us again. And mm. it, it cramped the play up again even more. Whereas, I, you know, I had a feeling this was going to happen in a game or two this season because he's... We always say he's so good because he covers so much ground. He links play everywhere. And that's fantastic when we're at our fluid best. When we're not, you lose that focal point. Because mm. as you say, out of the two of him and Sharp, he's the physical one. He's bigger. He's stronger. He's better in the air. So actually, we could have been doing with him further up. Yeah. And it, which is why probably Hogan did come on. A, because Dal was having such a ball game, you might as well put McGoldrick at 10. But also because Hogan will stand next to Sharp and run on shoulders. Mm-hmm. You know, And you need to stretch the pitch a little bit. Because they're so compact, Bristol City. If you allow them to compact you and press you, it's much easier. You have to stretch the pitch and make the, the gaps bigger between their midfield and defence. And then yeah. maybe someone, someone can come in that 10 spot. So I'm not saying all that's on McGoldrick. I think he, what he did was good, but I don't think he did enough. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. Um, I think, yeah, I was thinking kind of five or six range as well. You know, sort of popping up all over the place, playing different roles, but just didn't really impact the game. You know, we, I can't really think of a single thing that he did, to be honest, in the whole game that was kind of no. significant in terms of like creating a chance. Or you know, There were a few nice flicks and stuff, but they didn't really go anywhere. So yeah, probably one of his poorer games. Um, I don't know if you want to say anything about Hogan and um, I mean, Johnson I think- was only on 15 minutes or so. And we've, we've talked Hogan- at length what he's done, but yeah, go on. Hogan, I give an eight to because, as you say, ran into channels, didn't do anything much but score his goal, and quite frankly, that's what he is. He's a he's a penalty box striker. Mm-hmm. Anyone who thought any, any different is wrong. Scott Hogan doesn't do much in the build up. He, he gets on the end of crossing, you know, low crosses into the box or through balls. So he did his job, didn't he? He came on and scored what should have been the winner. Yeah. So fair play to him. It's horrible to do this, isn't it? Marvin Johnson. <laughs> I don't. Know. I mean. I, Probably not applicable. He played like fifteen minutes, but it was a bit of a it was a bit of a horror show at both end of the pitch, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. but I mean, like, I don't want to criticize because we're trying not to criticize too much. I get that, but he has this ability to either be really good or really bad. Mm. There is no in between with him. Like that was one of the worst fifteen minutes I've seen. He ran the ball out to give a corner away at the end. You know, when we're trying to press the game, he just literally ran the ball out of play. Made two a, errors that led to goals. It was a terrible the, cross as well. Yeah, poor in the the. One minute he was in the final third was shocking. Yeah, I mean, it's just I don't know. I wouldn't. You can't. I'm yeah. Zero out of ten. I'm. I can't. <laughs> I, I couldn't give him anything because he did nothing good. No, I suppose not. I mean, yeah. You scratch your head and you're like, what? How, what, what did he do? 
Well, nothing good, as you say. Benefit of hindsight. I mean, what what could we have done differently there? I mean, brought Craney on instead and kept Stevens at left back. I mean, I, I again, I, I think because we're so flexible at the back and it's worked for us. Yeah, changing our back three and four has not been a problem much. But if you think of football generally, managers don't like changing their defenses in game more than once, especially. You know, you don't want to change it at all, but more than once because it's just unsettling. You yeah. get players that are played in a space all, all game long and then they're having to play in a different space. If we were at four and we'd just gone 2-1 up, in my opinion, keep it to the four. Mm. I, I get the, I get structurally going back to what you know uh, and bringing on a left-sided player because that gives you the balance and maybe you can attack as well as defend. But just keep the four. It, yeah. it was working at that point in terms of Bristol City had not... They'd had a couple of shots from the edge of the box, but I didn't think they created anything clear-cut. Um, and as you said, Fleck had grown us into the game a little bit, and it was a little bit more 50-50 than them on top, wasn't it? Yeah, uh, yeah we, definitely. At, at the time of the goal. So just stick to the four. Bring a centre-half on, a bit of experience, because you know they're going to come back on top because they were playing that way. I, I'm sounding like we're telling Wilder what to do. We can't. You know, <laughs> The man's godlike. He's a genius. And, and look where we are. This is not criticism. This is just saying maybe in hindsight something different. Yeah, <clears throat> exactly. Um, yeah, and I, I guess uh, very, very disappointing, obviously, to uh, to lose this game, particularly with uh, not that at any stage of the Leeds-Millwall game did I think that Leeds were not going to win that game. I, oh, I, I'm one of these people, um, uh, just to clamber up on my high horse for a moment, I'm one of these people that never looks at their phones during uh, during a football match because I've paid to be at the football match. So maybe I'll check the scores <laughs> at halftime. But I, so I had a vague idea that oh, I knew that Leeds were losing uh, just from everyone singing, um, but then I didn't realise they'd actually gone ahead basically the same time we went behind. So anyway, I didn't expect them to take anything less than three points from that game at all, to be honest. So that was no great surprise, but obviously disappointed. Slipped behind him. I did like at the end of the match, um, and the players uh, came to the cop, Norwood was doing a sort of very distinctive chin-up gesture to uh, to the crowd, which is, is good to see. And we've obviously talked about you know he's been here and done it before several times, and to, to him it's just another game in terms of like you know pressure, what pressure. So that that um, was encouraging to see. I think there is no way. I, so us and Leeds, I think we've both lost nine games this season in total. Yeah, I believe that's right. Right. So we've lost nine games overall. There's seven left to go. Yeah, yeah. We're both we're both going to pick up a bunch of points. We're both going to win quite a few of those games, but we're also probably both going to drop some points. That seven games is twenty one points to go. There is an absolute chasm between now and the end of the season. So this mm. loss, it means nothing because we beat Leeds. It just puts us back to where we were, status quo, which quite frankly, I thought we would be. I thought, we, you know, draw away at Leeds would have been a great result. Beat Bristol City at home. That's what I had in my head mapped out for these fixtures. So Yeah, not- I, I did think that. I, I'd, in When I did my sort of like how many points we get for the rest of the season, I was like, we'll lose to Leeds and we'll beat Bristol City. Um, and you basically just flip those around. Um, I did also think that we will not beat Preston, though. Have, have you got two minutes just to quickly talk about that game? Yeah, go on, mate. Yeah, go yeah. on. Okay, so we obviously played Preston this weekend. Uh, despite this defeat to Bristol, I'm, I can't wait for this. I'm really looking forward to it, even though it was uh, just like a rubbish game like when we went there last year. Uh, but yeah, 5,600 blades. It should be, it should be a good atmosphere. It's obviously a massive game for us, pretty big game for them as well. Um yeah, they come into it just on on the end of their own uh, unbeaten run. They lost to Reading very deservedly by by the thing by the the looks of things this weekend. Um, yeah. And yeah, they're. I, I mean, you know, when, when I looked at this, the home form is not actually amazing. It's twelfth no. best in the league. You know, seven wins out of their nineteen games, and yeah, they've slipped to tenth. Although you know, only a couple of points off the playoffs. 
Um, so yeah, I mean, we kind of we we talked about this game as a, a danger one, definitely. Uh, and, and certainly, uh, as I said in my kind of run through the rest of the season, I think I had us actually losing this one. So yeah, it's going to be a tough game. And I, I guess say we did end up losing this and, and Leeds win, they'd go five ahead of us. That's that is then getting to a big gap, I think. So yeah, it, it's very important that we get something out of this one. It's not season defining, but it would make things a lot more difficult, I think. But yeah, what what to do you expect to a similar kind of game from Preston, or do they play in a completely different way to Bristol City? Uh, pretty different. So Preston can pressure. They're a young, quite young, dynamic, full of energy team. They're very fluid. They'll have a lot of rotation. Their midfielders get beyond. So they have a striker up front in Sean Maguire, um, who is not your typical striker. He's mm. small. He's agile. So they get midfielders like Alan Brown, who run beyond him. I think Alan Brown's one of the top midfield scorers in the championship. He often finds himself in the centre-forward position and Maguire's in the number 10. Um so they have a lot of rotation. They have good wingers as well. What they do have, though, is they have two extremely good but young centre-halves, mm. which if there's one thing, I think, I mean, Billy Sharp does a lot of things well, but there's one thing Sharp does probably better than anyone. It's exploit centre-halves. And yeah. these these guys are good. Ben Davis and Jordan Story, they're exceptional centre-halves. Ben Davis especially is one of the best in the league. But... They committed errors at the weekend at Reading. Um, they are young. And and I think one benefit of this game is that both sides have to win. So yeah. b- because of the result at the weekend, Preston probably would have seen this game if they beat Reading as, as one to not lose and stay in the race, whereas they really need to win now. Yeah. Um, and, and obviously, I think that... I'm not saying the Bristol City help, result helps us, but at least our mindset into this game is clear. You know, yeah. it, if we would have beat Bristol City, it would have been in my mind as a fan to go here and not lose. Yeah. Uh, I can tell you that now. Um because Leeds have the same two away fixtures as us, and these are two very tough games. So to not lose away at Preston would have been a good thing, whereas now it is must-win because we have to match Leeds' as results. Mm. So I think Preston play with a lot of dynamism, a lot of pace. Uh, they can vary it up because they also have a big guy on loan from Manchester City called Lucas Nemecha, mm. who's a striker. And he's one of these weird players where he's a bit gangly and uncoordinated in terms of kind of when you watch him to the eye test, but statistically he's outstanding um yeah wins a lot wins a lot of his aerial duels xg kind of per 90 so if you break someone's stats down per their their minutes played if you will uh so you get a fair overall reflection he's in the top five for for xg per 90 from open play he's really strong he's fast he's very athletic he's the type of player that frankly worries you when you come up against him i'm not sure Mm -hmm. if he'll play because I, i don't quite know in front of me how they, they rotate their squad quite a lot as well so it's quite hard to get a grasp on what their opening 11 will be if you will but Callum Robinson is back fit as well and playing for them yeah so so he had a three four month layoff he's back fit and I think we all know how good he can be so this is the, I mean they'll have Ben Pierce in the middle as well who's one of the best ball winners in the league it's a really tough game this um, and Paul Gallagher who you quite rightly said on one of the charts I tweeted out, is just one of those players who you just think he's going to do something special against us, isn't he? Yeah, he always seems to. Um, every time I see us play Preston, it's as soon as I see his name, I'm like, oh God, does he still play for these? Like, yeah, it's not even play for them that long. It just feels like he's always the one. But yeah, I mean, I was looking at Gallagher. I mean, he's um, he actually going on who scored stats. He he actually averages the the most key passes per night in the league right now. After this yeah. weekend's games, three point three per game. A uh, lot of it from set pieces, but then that actually underlines just how good he is at set pieces. Yeah, so, yeah it's a quality joint, thing. Yeah. Joint most chances from corners, uh, joint most free from free kicks per ninety, and I think joint third most from crosses as well. So yeah, just a, a really major attacking threat. I mean, 
I'm interested. You said like the sort of fluid and uh, you know rotation in in their kind of attack. I'm interested to see how that looks against us because it seems to be they don't play with too much width. They no. you know their players drift about generally not clog up the middle but occupy the middle. Uh, you're certainly what Robinson and Gallagher will do. So yeah, it's interesting to see how we adapt to that. I guess if we can exploit that with our wing backs or if it's going to be not let us have much control of the ball. They they will so they'll they'll, they'll get their full. So Darnell Fisher will push on if he plays. I'm not sure he'll play left back. It might be Josh Earl. I'm not sure um, for Preston because I, I'm pretty sure they had an injury in that department. But they will they will push on and they will get the odd cross, crosses into the box. They won't be afraid to do that. But you're quite right. Their wingers will, will, will look to play in central positions. In, in and we don't mean central central for that. We mean that kind of I'm going to, I'm going to say a tactical thing that that half space you know, between half space. Love a half space. So there's between the line type areas, if you will. If you imagine coming in off the wing, it's kind of type of position Baldock's been picking up actually for United mm. in a lot of games. Um, but they are a very fluid side. They're very good. They're very good on the stats. So they, they even their games they've lost, they quite frankly probably shouldn't have lost as many as they have. Um, mm. They've got a player I love in Daniel Johnson. Yeah, so, I like him a lot as well. Another one who always looks brilliant against us. The reason these players look brilliant against us is because they actually are very good, by the way. <laughs> in case, just in case anybody's wondering if they just like only turn it on when they play United. Yeah, it's not it's not just a, you know, a, a fan bias thing. These are very good players. I mean, I think Daniel Johnson has gone a little bit deeper and played a little bit more number eight type role, so more central mid rather than number 10. And yeah. he's been a highly effective since he's done that. I think he scored the most goals in the championship up there with John McGinn from that area. So they have they have a lot of goals from midfield. Uh, Tom Barkhausen on the right wing, he's just a hard-working crafter, but he's not short on quality. And then they signed Jaden Stockley from Exeter in January, who is a massive target man up top. Mm. And he, he will win a lot of aerial duels. Um, he, he's really good in the air. He's also very good at attacking the ball. You know, He's not just one of these centre-forwards that's stationary. He's quite mobile because he's quite slight. So it's a, it, it's a tough game on paper, you know. These are a very good side. I know they lost against Reading, but they're a very young side, so... I think experience could be key. Um, you know, they are in a situation where they do have something to lose because they do need to win to, to have a shout at the playoffs. And I, I just wonder if maybe our bit of nous that we've shown in a lot of games this year might come to the fore in this game. Um, yeah, the, the midfield battle is going to be key. They're exceptional in the midfield area, so we need to be good because we lost it at the weekend. I think that's fair to say we lost it mm. to Marlon Pack and Corey Smith and, and Josh Brownhill. We they definitely won that battle, so we need to win that battle away at Preston. If we do. I do think we can get on top of them and push them back. And I think if we do push them back, we'll create chances. Yeah, I guess key questions for me. Is Duffy good to start? Is Jack O'Connell okay? Cause, uh, Absolutely. That will be uh, a big miss because suddenly you, if you move Stevens into the middle or whether you have Craney there instead. But haven't heard, it's uh, what is it? It's, it's lunchtime on a Tuesday. Haven't heard anything about O'Connell. So hopefully he's all right. I was... You know, what being at the game on Saturday, you know, nobody really seemed to react in like a oh that's bad kind of thing and he obviously walked off under his own steam. I was actually surprised that he went off just from the reaction of the players, you know, everyone's like, Oh, okay, yeah, it's fine. <laughs> I thought it was just like we're two one up, just you know, kill a bit of time kind of thing. So mm. yeah. But unfortunately, uh even some serious injuries you can uh, walk about on. So fingers crossed it's nothing of the sort. I'm operating on a no news is good news thing right now. Uh- I, I do, I do think, yeah, I agree with you. I do actually think Preston might take some heart from that Bristol City game and might come out as impressors. Mm. Um, so I'll be interested to see if we've learned our lesson from that uh, and in terms of starting eleven and how we actually play as well. Because if, if I'm Alex Neil, uh, you know, you do, you, you, as a manager, because the championship's just so hectic, there's so many bloody games, you, you, you tend to look at the last three or four games of an opponent yeah. in terms of doing the analysis. 
So what he will have seen, he will have seen nothing from the Leeds game, nothing from the West Brom game because they were two big games away from home. Naturally, we're going to defend. He wouldn't have seen much from Brentford. No. You're right about that, Ben. So really, Bristol City is the, the most recent game where we've had a fair crack at it all game, if you will. Yeah. Um, and the, the pressing dominated us. So I, I'll have a feeling he would have seen that and saw that as a weakness and they'll actually come and do the same. So we need to be ready for that and we need to be very, very good in possession in terms of getting the ball forward to the final third and making it stick. It doesn't necessarily have to go long, but it, it needs to be in there for us to actually get up the pitch. Yeah, definitely. And uh, yeah, just in case anyone's warning, uh, wondering, this is the final game of Gary Medine's suspension as well. So unavailable for this one. But yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I mean, I was looking to it, forward to it anyway, but yeah, I, don't, I actually don't get to many away games uh, well, yeah. done this season just through... Um, I basically sunk my money into a season ticket instead. So, yeah, <laughs> looking forward to what should be a good day out and, uh, yeah, hopefully yeah, a, a, a very vociferous away support at Preston and, and hopefully a positive result as well. I mean, I know we've just spent probably 10 minutes talking about Preston, how they're like the greatest team in the world there, if anybody's, no, no. If anybody just tuned in to, uh, and selected certain bits. But, no, I think we are, we're showing respect to what is a good team that had a a dreadful start to the season and have been kind of yes. playing catch-up ever since. And a, I'd say in a slightly false position, I'm not saying they are uh, like top three or four material, but probably will feel they should have been in the playoff spots at this stage of the season, I think. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, they should be in and around. I mean, they are technically position-wise. Yeah, they true. Like, you've got to look at the point spread rather than the positions in the championship at the minute because it's just nuts from that sixth down to about 11th. But... They are, yeah, they're a good side. You know, we talk about it out of interest, but we're a, we are a better side. You know, the league yeah. table says that, the point says that. So you, you have to go and assert yourself, don't you, in these games? Um, we're not a side, I think, although we've had some results with good defending, we're not a side that can go to teams like Preston and expect to get a result, a win, by playing on the counter or defensively. Um, you know, we need to go there and assert ourselves and actually take the game to them because... I don't think I've seen us apart from Rotherham, which, yeah, the 10 men in it's Rotherham. I don't think I've seen us take the game to someone in a, in a while. Um, mm. I think Villa was probably the last time I've seen that. And obviously for 70 minutes, it was outstanding. Yeah. Uh, so I'd like to see us go and try and do that to Preston. Not necessarily be 3-0 up, but go and take the game to them. Go and push them back. Go and dominate them and let's create Billy some chances. Yeah, that's what we want to see. All right, mate, good stuff. Uh, I hope anybody listening to this is, uh, is is feeling less down in the dumps about Saturday's game. It's okay. There's a long way to go. And uh, we're, we're still in this, and whatever happens, we're in the playoffs. And uh, it, it, yeah, as I've always said, if, if we're ever going to win the damn thing, then it's going to be under Chris Wilder. So all good. But yeah, hopefully after hopefully after this weekend, we'll all be feeling much uh, much better about our prospects for the season. Any uh, Any final words, mate, before I let you go? No, uh, just that you know that we're going to make the playoffs, get to the playoff final, and VAR is going to kill us because they don't have it, don't you? You know that's going to be the case, don't you? Do you know, I avoided tweeting about that because I was like, that is, I, I can already see the future. That, that tweet is coming back to bite me when I say, like, why the hell is there no VAR in the playoff final? And then United lose to, like, a blatant handball or a, some... I'm okay decision. with it. I'm honestly okay with it. It shouldn't be there. It's not been there all season, so... I'm okay with it. But never mind. We're not going to be in the playoffs then because we're going to finish second because Leeds have got hard fixtures and we're going to win on the rest of our games. Every every single game. (laughs) Well, it's not that unlikely, I suppose. But yeah, starting starting Saturday is is a good place to start, obviously. (laughs) Um, Cool. All right. Thanks very much, mate. Everyone can check you out, obviously, at Blades Analytic on Twitter. Uh, sorry, this ran a bit longer than we were anticipating there, buddy. But yeah, thanks very much, and I'll uh, I'll talk to you later. All good, mate. No worries. Thank you. Cheers. Bye bye. <laughs>